0: myth magic medicine and everything in between two doctors talking welcome to myth magic medicine my guest today is diana ricardo marmarosh a family physician whose personal experience with adhd has led her to a mission to help physicians and medical students create systems that support them at work and help reclaim their personal life hi diana
1: Hi. Thank you so much, Denise, for having me. Uh, Yes. So I'm a family medicine physician, and I got diagnosed uh, during my first semester of medical school uh, with ADHD. And actually, I had no awareness. I didn't even know what ADHD was. Um, I remember that I was struggling a little bit with my test, which was different I mean I always was the the one who finished the test last like there that was never a question I so you, I always took like the very like I would turn it in last but I get to college and I started to struggle a little bit and I wasn't sure if it was because all of a sudden it was multiple choice instead of like writing out stuff and so I was like maybe it's just that and the way it was worded
0: I just ask a quick question though so a lot of students struggle because all of a sudden they're responsible for their own behavior you know they've turned 18 it's on them now so how did, how did you how did you feel your issues were different than other students that you were in class well
1: again with? I had no aware awareness okay. I just thought it was just the learning curve that it was mm-hmm. just different uh and be whatever it took because I couldn't I couldn't flunk out. I couldn't lose my scholarship because my I came from humble beginnings. So like my dad was a welder, and you know he would make thirty thousand dollars a year. So uh, I was attending a school that that's what it cost a semester. So of course I had to figure it out because I could only come if I had scholarships, right? Like that's how my mind worked. So what I I did whatever I had to, meaning. I had to get or I I didn't have to, I wanted to on purpose go get a tutor for every, every subject. And so, to me, at that point, I didn't realize that that was the most helpful thing because I could then talk to the experts and by talking to them, I figured out what was crucial on the test because to Mm -hmm. me, everything was a priority. I wanted to learn every single detail and you could imagine that I wasn't getting the big picture of what was like important. Mm -hmm. And so by having tutors, all of a sudden I could hone in on oh. This is a important concept. Oh, okay. And so I started to put it together, but at that point, I had no idea that that's what I was doing. That was a way that was helping me to do it. And I think my even even though I struggled my first semester in my first year, I was then you know slowly all of a sudden I started getting B's and then all A's. But it was because a couple of things. I started. Um, doing group studies, uh, studying with people. Maybe I wasn't talking to them, but I was in so many different activities like the NHS president, uh, you know, the folkloric thing, the debate theme, like, you know, I was in so many things and plus working. So I think I was pulled in so many different directions, but all that kept my dopamine levels up. Again, Mm -hmm. no awareness that I had an ADHD problem because my grades were good in in that, (laughs) (laughs) but the point is that um, I was never the best um, standardized, uh, uh, skilled uh, test taker, and I I was even surprised I got like a med school interview, even though I always put in the work, like I went and I did that six or eight week or whatever program you had to pay, you know, for Kaplan or whatever it was to help you. Re-
0: so at what point did you realize that, that there was something more than just, I need a better habit?
1: That yeah. There was an actual so diagnosis? Again, I had no awareness. Like, I was outworking myself. Like I was working studying 80 to 100 hours who knows how long right and so it was my classmate who said diana there's something wrong here why are you studying like two to three times more than me Mm -hmm. and yet i don't know if you're just like so tired from studying that you're not retaining nothing Mm -hmm. or there's something wrong because you can tell me things you can explain things, but then when you look at questions you're not following through uh, maybe you're not understanding the wording of the questions or maybe mm-hmm. your English and your Spanish like is messing you up or like, you know because I learned Spanish, English at 10. We,
0: we, we definitely need to take a little sidebar on the the validity of bilingual education. <laughs> <That's>, yeah, <laughs> If anything, it was probably an advantage.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she was like I don't know if it's that you don't understand the wording like maybe they're asking double negatives yeah. or like or like I don't know what it is. She's like but something's going on. And and, I, and at that time my dad had been diagnosed with uh colon cancer. Sorry, stomach cancer. And um uh, and so she's like I don't know if you're just stressed and worried about that or maybe you're depressed or or something else is going on she's like but just go get checked just to see if there's anything because i would take my test and i would complete like 60 percent of it and then everything uh-huh. else was c, 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 c all the way down because yeah. i was out of time
0: yeah. and
1: had me do a formal um evaluation it's called a neurodiverse a neuro uh, psych evaluation which is an eight to nine hour test so Yes. So I got formally tested. uh, And then they wrote up this like, 20 page paper on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they said that it was not anxiety, that it was not depression, that it was ADHD. And that uh, they that I had really strong visual skills, so that that would be something that I should use to help myself. So anytime, Mm -hmm. so they gave me examples on how I would function best. And so with that advice, I was then able, whenever I was making my notes, I would first go to the pictures in the book to try to understand. And figure it out myself and make my own questions before I would even start to jump on the text. It was not until I started making my notes with pictures and like visually separating things, like saying, Oh, all of these are lactose non-fermenters. All of these are lactose fermenters. Then in mm-hmm. my in my brain, when I was taking a quiz or a test or whatever, I could be you like, could Oh, yeah, it. these were on this side of the page. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Okay, I have a 50-50 chance, but at the same time, it was really. That was helpful, but it was also kind of like the answers would just pop out and I wasn't trusting myself because I was like, that was too easy. And so it it was like, I was almost, if I couldn't explain to you why, I didn't trust my intuition. And so it was like a mixture of stuff. So, but anyways, I learned to finally be like, well, if it came, it came, I'm just going to put it down. And until I know for a fact, another answer, I'm not going to question myself.
0: So once you had the diagnosis, did you have an ADHD coach? No. Or is the, No, they just said, okay, this is the diagnosis. Put these techniques in place.
1: This is the diagnosis. Go, go get go a medicine. deal with it.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. So you were put on uh, one of those? five milligrams. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, they didn't explain to me that I was in a short acting. They didn't explain to me that. This only lasts four hours or whatever. So you could imagine I was like self-hating myself because I was only you like, hadn't, oh you my hadn't done pharmacology yet. So. No, I was the first year, right? So I had no idea how this medicine works. They just mm-hmm. gave me five milligrams and they're like, good luck, right? And they just said, take that once a day. And so you could imagine how I was like, well. And then I had to go back like feeling ashamed, And I was like, I'm so sorry, this is only working a few hours, and I'm trying and it's not mm-hmm. working. And then they eventually changed it to 18 milligrams extended release. And but they never changed it. Like they always kept me at that same dose. They never said, Oh, you might need a short acting one, like when you're starting at night. Like, here's mm-hmm. five milligrams. They never really adjusted it. They never asked me how it was working. It was like, here you go, this should be it. You don't need anything else. Right. And and this is where I think if if they failed me or I didn't know any better, because had not, they said
0: let's let's let's. Stop the, the shame for business here. For yes, you were a medical student, but you are a medical student. <laughs> it, it the the patient, obviously, patients can fail the doctors all the time. If you don't tell the doctor you aren't taking the medicine or the medicine isn't working, there's no way for the physician to know this. But but to just say, well, here's your problem, tootle off and go go on your merry way. You're a lot younger than me. When how long ago was this happening?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I started med school in 2004. So so. it was in 2004. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So my frame of reference when I was in training was in the eighties and I might've accepted that from somebody in the eighties. I could, I could see that happening, but by the two thousands, this was a well-established phenomenon, and adult diagnosis was not unheard of. So that's a, that's a significant failure. Yeah, it, is perhaps and, a, a, it is perhaps because we do have a tendency to assume that high functioning people can kind of figure it out because yeah. they figured it out before, yeah. um, but it's still a failure of the system. We, this, is, this, this is a shout out for all holistic medicine. We need to put all the pieces in place for people so they
1: can succeed. Yes. And, and I wish they would have told me, hey, seek a therapist. Hey, seek a coach. Hey, mm-hmm. like try different things. But again, that's what I needed to go through to later on do what I'm doing now and be able to be like, hey, medicine can do a part, but then you also need to understand yourself Okay, how you so, think, and and you can try coaching. You can try therapy. You can try all kinds of.
0: Things. Okay, so this is a good place to ask you. So, what do you offer? Because you are an ADHD coach, in addition to being a family medicine physician, you you see children, I'm sure, who are labeled by their teachers and thought perhaps they have this. Can you can you briefly um speak to the the different presentation of uh, a child starting school and finding it struggle, and Uh, an adult starting higher education and finding it a struggle um with a little bit of a a a stop there when I first went into practice when I left uh, my pediatrics fellowship I went into general emergency room medicine and for all the EM people who are having a heart attack at the idea that we were still grandfathering people in there weren't that many places to train. <laughs> so I used to see all the kids in the ER. Um, but I remember very clearly a three-year-old coming in for stitches. And I'm looking at her chart and I said, she's on Ritalin. Why is she on Ritalin? And and the uh the mother said, oh, she doesn't behave at the supermarket. I told her doctor. And he put her, I mean, she wasn't tested, she was just put it was it, it was one of those diagnoses that was just, oh yeah, well it's that and um, which was pretty horrific. To to me, but unfortunately, as the ER attending, I didn't have a say in the matter. Yeah. So, um, can can we speak to the, to the 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 timeline of how these these things sort of come come to people's attention? Because a lot of kids never get diagnosed; they're just troublemakers.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah so, I think part of the delay for me getting my diagnosis is because, like you said. Uh, I'm Mexican, I'm Mexican American, but I grew up in Mexico till I was 10. Um, I was born here in Texas. My parents were immigrants and my mom just had me along the way on the way back to Mexico. So that's why I'm a a Texan, (laughs) but I grew up in Mexico and there, me and all my cousins, like we're just high energy kids. We probably might all have ADHD, who knows, right? Mm -hmm. But we didn't think anything of it because that was just the environment. And so I think that sometimes females can get missed. um, And sometimes just kids can get missed in general, because we assume that their high energy and creativity and stuff is just normal which at some point it is to an extent
0: so the only the, the diagnosis is only made when their behaviors are inconvenient to the rest of society
1: well i mean sometimes right because <laughs> or they're not doing their work right like yeah. if uh, and that's where it gets tricky because the stuff that i really love like of course I excelled and like when I came from Mexico to over here like math was this, I didn't have to understand it math and English right so I yeah. could like do multiplications at everything even though they had put me back a couple of grades over here like I was fifth grade level over here when I was supposed to be like right. you know support. and so um, with that being said if they just looked at that they're like well she's really smart there's no way right and mm-hmm. then the stuff that I Could like that I love, like they kept giving me more and more work, because I loved it. And the stuff that I didn't understand, they're just like, well, English is your second language it's not a big deal. And so Mm -hmm. you could see how it it can get jumbled. But the point is that nowadays, you just don't say, okay, uh, I can't control that. Like you do the standardized, I guess you could say standardized, the Vanderbilt forms that there's special screening things that is done by two, two to three uh, teachers. So they want to check like the whole uh, school behavior environment, and then they're done by the parent, right? And if Mm -hmm. the kid is kind of old enough, maybe 9, 10, 11, like they, there's even one that they themselves could check out, like how Mm -hmm. they feel, right? And so it's like, taking different perspectives, uh, instead of just saying, oh, Johnny is like, disrupting the whole class and like not doing their work because they're not, you know, concentrating. And mm-hmm. and so sometimes girls can get missed because they tend to be more inattentive. So you could imagine the nice, friendly, quiet, shy girl in the back of the room, daydreaming, mm-hmm. and they're not causing a hot mess. They're just not doing the work because they're in 10,000 yeah. ideas, right? And so you could see that, why she would not be picked up right away compared to Johnny, who's like tearing up the room. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, my God, what are you doing? Right. And then there is something that happens if you are a female who is hyperactive, like Johnny, when we go through puberty, like we tend to come down some again, mm-hmm. so then you could miss us again, there in mm-hmm. high school, because we're not the screaming type all over the room, right. And so when you get all the way to um, high school, I mean, to college or to school, law school, something that requires your level of executive functioning to be superb. And whatever you had been doing, those systems no longer work. You working harder is not the right thing. It's like, you now have to learn how to prioritize, how to batch, how to do, um, you know, pre-check lists and all these other things. And like you said, most of us, you can see when you were being taken care of or have some safety nets that your parents were doing the laundry for you, cooking for you, you know, all those things. And then all of a sudden you have to make like your decisions for yourself, meaning like what classes right. am I taking? When am I studying? When am I doing my laundry? These tasks, executive tasks that become like a problem. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes you don't realize that there is an emotional component to it that is not really used to diagnose in the US, but it is used in Europe. Mm -hmm. There's the emotional dysregulation piece. And I think
0: think they're beginning to realize that. Yeah, I think it's it's slowly
1: starting to become understood because um, if you can imagine, we all have, this is how I describe executive function. It's like you wake up and you have a full battery. So that battery or that energy making capacity, right? Comes down, comes down, the more decisions you have to make, right? Mm -hmm. And so at one point, you're kind of like, drained and you're not even aware and so more input comes in and all of a sudden you just explode because Mm -hmm. you don't even have the awareness yeah you don't have the bandwidth and so people Mm -hmm. look at you like are you crazy? you just blew up or you just started screaming or and, and you didn't even realize you're doing that you don't have that two second delay between the prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex and your amygdala and like that's enough. you blowing up was enough to like reset but now you look very unprofessional around everybody else because they're like, what just happened like it seems yes.
0: disproportional. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But you, so, so anyways, the point is that as you become an adult, because of the adulting <laughs> tasks that you're supposed to be t- doing, like uh, paying your bills, right? Uh, cleaning your house, uh, meeting deadlines. Uh, imagine how it might just seem to some that, oh my God, they're being lazy because I can see how bright they are in this other area mm-hmm. and yet they can't do the dishes or they can't just pay their bills or they can't just open the mill, right? And so you can see how... I call it the torture musician, like they might be, they, they might have this Beethoven piece, but they have no insight that it's a Beethoven piece or they don't have the possibility to take it out into the world so everybody else can see because they get 90% there and then they burn out or they start criticizing themselves.
0: So when you, when, when a physician, I, I assume you do you work with other Uh, professionals or you gear yourself
1: just to to doctors? So my, my, I have a 12 week group coaching program that is just for physicians. And I actually have another program that is just for medical students. Um, I realized that they, you know, while we, we have same executive things, we just focusing on a different part of our Mm lives. So for the physicians, we are wanting to leave work at work, wanting to have that work balance with their kids. Like we want to chart it and do the in basket at work and be actually present at home. Right. Mm-hmm. And for the medical students, their pain point is yes, wanting to complete whatever work they want, uh, uh, uh completing their task or whatever, but they're more like board exams, board exams, board exams. So that's their pain of their existence versus for us, yes, we had that, but now we've gone through that and and we're in at a different phase. So anyways, my group coaching is medical students and physicians, but I said they each have their own, but I am um, a guest coach in other programs that I sometimes go and support. So what you were talking about, you have this full battery and you wake up.
0: Where do you think siestas might help? with this since you're from a culture that certainly used to have them. I don't know, my husband's from the Dominican Republic and, and the siesta was very much part of the life there in the seventies and eighties. It's going away. It's, 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 everything's open all day now. Um, but many people, certainly professionals still stick to that. Do you think that helps? Did, is, if, is, it, is it doable within certain I parameters? Think,
1: I think, any time that you're able to take a pause throughout your day, whether it's five minutes of a tapping meditation or 10 minutes for you to enjoy your food without like having to chart and eat your food, right? At the same time or golf it down, right? I think any moment where you're not having to exercise your brain is helpful so I can see why taking a siesta or a nap would like kind of unplug you from the craziness right Mm -hmm. and why then you could come back and be refreshed and be ready to go so like that's one of the things that I really feel has pulled me out of burnout like every day I make sure I do at lunchtime, I have like at least 10 minutes for me to eat without no disruptions, without no whatever, without me wanting to be on Facebook or wanting to like do anything else, but just like here, right here, right now. Mm -hmm. And then those three to five minute micro uh, meditation daily has really like helped me to get out of that like, overwhelmed feeling that I was having because I always felt like um, I was turning off fires instead of, I was always living from a place of react reaction to mm-hmm. whatever was coming, coming my way instead of a place of, no, I planned this on purpose. No, I know this is, look, I designed it this way. Mm-hmm. And of course, life happens, right? You're a physician, mm-hmm. life happens. But now I've learned how to decrease those distractions because I work 80% in the clinic and then once like then I'm on call for a whole week and we alternate so when you're on call you're doing the clinic plus being on call and you're on call from like 7 a.m on Monday to like 5 p.m. on Friday and sometimes you're on call that weekend so then that means your whole it goes straight right it goes like 12 days straight that you're kind of on and so knowing how to take care of you by taking those little breaks when you feel like you're about to lose your stuff (laughs) makes a big difference. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay if somebody listening to this suspects they may have some of these issues what would be their first stop?
1: So I I want to quickly point out how this could be seen in physicians in the workplace, because sometimes we don't even realize it ourselves that we could be the one that has ADHD or that our colleagues could have ADHD. Yes. And having that awareness, I think, will be life-changing because, again, ADHD just I wish it only affected you, but unfortunately, it does not. It affects the way you interact with your family. It affects the way you interact with your boss. It affects the way you do things or don't do things for your patients. Mm -hmm. So it affects everybody. So I want to share with you, there's actually a really cool article that maybe you could link. um,
0: Oh, they'll uh, be in the show notes, yes.
1: And it's the title is called "Understanding ADHD in Physicians: uh, Workplace Implication and Management Strategies." A really nice uh, table and in- if, if it's if you th- suspect that
0: you have it, you should talk to your family doctor first. Your primary yeah, care. So person
1: so I think or- first of all, if you think that you have it, or if somebody else thinks that. Um, that their colleague might have it. I think it's ah, but see, but
0: I was gonna ask you that one second because if, okay. if you think it, then then you've already decided you've made that first step. If you think a colleague has it, that's gonna be a very different conversation than one you had with yourself. Yes.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah. So if you think you might so if you suspect you have ADHD, I would start with going to your primary care doctor, right? I would make sure that they screen me or screen you for anxiety, depression, or ADHD, like all three of them, because you'd be surprised how sometimes we get diagnosed with anxiety and depression, but you really had ADHD right. because you couldn't complete the task that you wanted to. You Which were is so depressing. upset. <laughs> right, which is depressing. You were so upset and you and you could imagine why you would have palpitations if you feel like you're gonna get fired because you can complete what you're exactly. wanting to complete and you yeah. just can't, right? And now, don't get me wrong, it could be that you have all three things going on, which mm-hmm. has happened, but again. If maybe you had ADHD and you were just never screened for it, being treated for anxiety and depression is never gonna fully get you to where you want to be because you don't you never treated the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you did have ADHD, then all of a sudden you'd be surprised how many people don't need to have their anxiety and depression medications, or if they do, they might need like a tiny dose just to. Uh, regulate you. Okay, so I would start there. I would start with uh, a family medicine doctor. If your medicine doctor is not comfortable making this diagnosis go go get a psychiatrist opinion you know I think it's worthwhile if you think you are struggling and you didn't even realize you were struggling because you just thought this is the way it's always been I really do feel like you need to get a second or third opinion or get mm-hmm. somebody who's a specialist in that area because um Making the diagnosis can be life-changing, life-altering, because understanding it could then make the world of difference, because then now you know, okay, so this is what I need to do. And, and so I think that's the first step, getting the diagnosis, because then you can start to peel the onion and start to see.
0: So... somebody told you, you outgrow it. You learn skills to get around it. You don't outgrow it. Exactly. Okay.
1: And and so I was working myself to death, unaware that I was working myself to death, uh, charting 20 to 30 hours outside of work, uncompensated pay on top of doing everything else. But I didn't know there was a better way. It was a love hate Mm -hmm. relationship because I love my patients and I was going to do whatever it took for them. But I, it was like, why do I have to write anything? I just had an amazing encounter with them. How could nobody was videotaping that, right? Yeah. And so, but I understood that this is how they have to get paid. There has to be mm-hmm. something in the chart, right? So the point is, I had to learn that medicine... Then I re- I started uh, ADHD coaching myself. I finally, with the pandemic, it kind of got me to be like, okay, maybe there has to be a better way. You like are so tired. You're not having time for anything. And so I invested in ADHD coaching. Then I invested in life coaching. And then I decided that I needed to tell other physicians that there's ways of doing it. Leaning into her strengths so that we all can get to practice medicine in our own terms. And and so the point is of this whole talk is that if you have identified yourself with maybe uh, not being the best in time management or maybe not uh, being able to keep up with charts or different things like reconsider like where you're getting distracted is there a system issue because it could be Mm -hmm. that maybe you just don't have enough help and there's nothing wrong with you right
0: right and actually you don't have to be technically neurodiverse to benefit from a lot of these things
1: exactly yeah Yeah. and so in my coaching group like I want to say 80 to 90 percent of the physicians in there uh have ADHD, but the other 10 to 20%, they don't have ADHD. They just didn't realize they had to set up boundaries for self-care. They didn't realize they could have systems. So of course, they come in, they implement everything I say and boom, they're like, they're like, like, oh my God, I I had never had a free weekend in the last 10 years where I didn't open my computer, where I was present with my family. I didn't know that was possible. And again, It's trial and error Mm -hmm. only you know how to set up your system, but it's not until you speak with somebody else who's gone through it that you're like, oh. And and so that's the beautiful thing about being in community because there's no judgment. We're all trying to do better for ourselves. We're all trying, and then it comes with CME. So win-win, get your Mm -hmm. institution to prevent burnout and get effective charting and, and effective ways of managing yourself. And you know, everything changes all of a sudden, not because you were, wanting to be a better wife or a better doctor or a better whatever, Mm -hmm. but it just kind of happens when you put your own oxygen first, it ripples.
0: Yeah, for all of us dealing with self-care issues, that's huge. Do you have any advice for how to gently suggest to somebody who's clearly having issues that they might want to look at that?
1: Yes, again, I really think, I, I am so grateful and forever will be grateful that that you know, my roommate at that point said, "Diana, like something's going on. I, I just just ask, right?" So I think it's approaching it from a place of compassion, like coming up to this person and just saying, "Hey, um, I see that you're struggling with X, Y, C tasks, right? Like labeling the task, not that the person is wrong. It's not." Right. The person is not saying that you're dumb or whatever, right? But saying, Hey, I see that, you know, I see that sometimes you appear uh, like you have too much on your plate. Or is there anything that is going on? I mean, because it could be that somebody's dealing with their family's right. like, diagnosis so of something, right? Or somebody passed away. And it's in just noticing and asking the, 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 the physician, what their thoughts are on some, on some pota- uh, potential causes, uh, and just saying, "Hey, I'm c- concerned. Um, I wonder if you would benefit from uh, talking to somebody." Uh, you know, uh, I or something like, "I've noticed you've been distracted in the meetings, so or you've been losing things around the office, or you have difficulty organizing this." Is everything okay? seeing it in that way where you're not and again, you're pointing out the behavior, not that they are like wrong for like being chaos, although we mm-hmm. feel like chaos, right? But just saying, hey, I've noticed X, Y, and C. Is everything okay? Or saying, hey, I'm concerned about your well-being. Are these tasks, you know, too much for you? Or, yeah. or are they affecting you? Or can we talk further about your thoughts? Or are you comfortable sharing anything? Or you could literally say, Hey, I, I read this cool article about ADHD and physicians. Right. I wonder if, I am just wondering, you know, you could, mm-hmm. I, I wonder if you would identify with any of these things, you know, I wonder if, if you're running behind like two hours late, if you just had somebody put a 10 minute timer so they could come knock on your door to give you that external cue right. that maybe you should start wrapping it up. And Mm -hmm. then, and because here's the thing, people think that the more time we give our patients, the more that they understand that we care, but you'd be surprised when you really listen and you really are present. It doesn't matter if you're present two minutes or 40 minutes, like the interaction is the same because your genuine perceivedness and how you interact with them is, is the same. And, and it's not, and so when I do this timer thing, I joke around and I say, uh, and I tell them, now, now I tell them, now I'm comfortable talking to my, my patients. And I say, you know, I have ADHD. It's amazing for you because you're the most important thing in my room, but it sucks when you're waiting for me because you're like, mm-hmm. where is she? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I, I said, we're doing a quality improvement project. They're just keeping me on track. That's good. You know? That's,
0: Yeah. And, yeah. And it's also being a little bit vulnerable to your patients that sh- it helps with the known trust. <laughs> part yes. Of it. And, 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 and it also around. normalizes that this, this whole myth that doctors, you know, doctors can't get sick. Doctors can't have issues. Doctors, remember the first few patients that walked up to you in the supermarket amazed that you shop for food. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: helps to break
1: that barrier. For, for yeah. Them to realize that we yeah. Have and I also tell them, you know, um, just like you, I have, I wonder if I'm doing it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like having those conversations where like they feel like they're not the best parent or like they feel so frustrated because like they went and they did everything at work, right? And then they're so drained and they're like, well, I'm going to work to provide for my family, but then I'm home and I'm so irritated with my family because again, my executive does, function is gone, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're just starting your second shift. It's not like you get to say, oh, no, right. like, I don't want to be a parent. I don't want to be a wife. Like you on purpose decided well, that.
0: And then that's an extra thing. If if you've managed to put it without realizing you have the uh, this, apparently it's a disability, this neurodiverse way of thinking, but you've got, you've, you've managed to put in things in place for high school. You've gotten through medical school. And you have a kid, and now there's just another stressor. It might that might be the straw. There's there's a lot of different things that can that can make it just suddenly impossible to to the dam breaks.
1: A lot of females actually are not diagnosed until the they get to uh, college or they get to med school or law school or the, the, after the birth of their first mm-hmm. child. Again, because you were so used to you kind of winging it, mm-hmm. but then now you have this extra beautiful responsibility yes. that cannot afford you to kind of just wing it, right? And then mm-hmm. you throw in, if you're breastfeeding or you throw in the lack of sleep, right? Because if they're feeding every three hours, perfect scenario for like dang what just happened mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that I had in place is no longer working because here's what happens with ADHD like most of us swear we're never going to leave stuff to the last minute yeah but we do and and then magically boom that deadline causes the stimuli enough for you to hyper focus and you get that task done But then you pay for for the next two two days with the adrenal gland just like on way overdrive, right? But imagine doing that every day with a newborn. Like Mm -hmm. you can't, like you can, but oh boy, do you pay for it, right? Right. And and so that's why females usually get diagnosed or, you know, like you said, your kids all of a sudden get diagnosed and you're like, wait a minute, all those questionnaires, but, but I do that.
0: Seems so familiar, but yeah.
1: I, I wish I was the only like uh, weird unicorn. I go, but we're all, it's a spectrum. Like with yep, AD, right. there's so many things with ADHD. Like why do we bite her now? It's because it's a way to like hyper-focus why do we do different things? And you don't think you, oh. and so again, the more you, what well, you don't know, you don't know, but then if somebody is lucky enough to see something that, maybe would help you get out of your own way (laughs) and somebody can point it out to you because to you, you don't know. This is the way you've been for how many years? You think this is the norm. You think it's the norm to lose your keys 40 times a day. You know, you Mm -hmm. think it's the norm that you misplaced uh, that you got like today, even today. I thought it was Friday. So human.
0: And just because you lose track of the days of the week, when all three people in your household are now working from home. So every day looks the same. Exactly. That doesn't mean necessarily you have ADHD. But if it is something that you are thinking, please look in the show notes for the article and for some suggestions and for some links to some helpful resources.
1: Yes. And and if you are a physician and you have identified with any of these things and you feel like uh, you might benefit, by working with me, please do reach out because uh, I don't want you to go through what I went through for the last years of ignoring myself, you know, uh, normalizing it and being in a room um, Mm -hmm. where this is just the norm, you know, helps you to be able to uh, then turn around and help your colleagues who maybe they don't realize that it could be different. Right,
0: right. Okay. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.